Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Lloyd, Newcastle Mini and BMW. For the latest offers and to browse their used car stock, go to lloydmotorgroup.com. Now, let's get on with the show. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove today, joined by Chris Woff and Sean McCormick. And it's a nice positive podcast, so it's going to be anyway. Newcastle 1-0 winners over Huddersfield. First half, they were excellent. Probably should have been three, maybe four goals to the good. Second half, a little bit quiet, but in the end, they got the goal that now takes them up to 12, 35 points. And Chris, within touching distance of survival. Yes, I think they basically would have to lose just about every single game to not stay up now. Um, even then, 35 might be enough, but I, I certainly think 37 would be enough. So one win, and they'll be fine. And the, they've got seven games to which to achieve that, including... Uh, West Brom at home which you would expect them to win although Alan Pardew's now gone so that maybe has become a bit harder than it was before um, but just the way they've gone about themselves in, in 2018 in general all season we've known the team ethic and, and the work ethic is there and they've always had the endeavour just lacked some quality the January di- January editions have made a difference but just the general belief in the side and, and the combinations Diarmi and Shelby are working so well in there Lejeune and Lascelles at centre back it's all going really well, and they've built up uh, so many points. This, this, I think they're joined sixth in the calendar year for, for points accrued in the Premier League. Um, at home, they've won the last three games, undefeated at home in 2018, which we know they've gone nearly four months without winning at home, so that itself is huge. And really, they've, they've made it look a lot more comfortable than we necessarily thought it was going to be now with seven games to go, and they're just about there. See, a big win for Newcastle, Sean. Um, it was kind of set up to go wrong in a way we've been yeah many times many seasons when Newcastle expect to win these games and then they'll end up losing 2-3-0 I think Swansea this this season was a good example maybe even the Watford game when Newcastle end up losing 3-0 um, but they didn't fold this time they stuck in but at half time after seeing Dwight Gale missed a couple of chances Matt Ritchie have good ones saved Shelby obviously going here to the opening the score and it, it, maybe some of the players maybe would have thought it's not going to be our day yeah, I think some of the fans would have done as well. You know, obviously Newcastle, as you said, has been in that situation many times before, a few times this season. Everything was set up, results were going their way, the teams the teams below them were all losing. You were thinking, come on, just get that goal, get that win. And, you know, as you say, they've been in a situation now where they're, they're 12, 35 points, seven points clear of, uh, of the bottom three. Um, but, yeah, I don't think it could have excused anyone to have that, that feeling of dread. Dwight Gale missed a few gilt edge opportunities. You see, John Joe Shelby come close and. It's happened a lot at home this season, not necessarily in 2018, but the, 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 there's been games where Bournemouth sticks out in the mind where they really dominated proceedings. There were a lot of chances, particularly in the first half. They didn't kill that game off. Luckily, this time they got over the line. Brilliant. I mean, was there anyone that stood out for you on Saturday? Well, I think it was, it was hard to pick out a certain player, but again, Modi Army is absolutely fantastic. Wasn't he in the centre of the midfield? He's just been, the match, yeah, he's, just, he's just been absolutely brilliant since the, that goal against West Ham. Things just completely changed his season. I think I'm right in saying that he started every league game in 2018. I think most of them might be yeah, over. Yeah, so you know, he, he he's become Newcastle's arguably Newcastle's main man. You know, he's been the, one of the first names in the team sheet. He's looking composed, he's picking passes, he's breaking down the play, he's been absolutely fantastic. I think Florian Lejeune was brilliant as well, you, you, you re-rated him on Saturday, Andrew, and he's been fantastic recently. Looking at the player Rafa Benitez wanted to bring in the summer, we, we've, all, we've always mentioned that he was one of Rafa Benitez's actual first choice targets that he managed to get over the line this summer. Looked a bit shaky at the start of the season, but him and the cells at the bat, it's not a straight or a real partnership, he brings that extra dimension, brings the ball out from the bat, he's composed. He can pick a pass, he brings that calmness, along with Dubravka as well. I think Dubravka and him in, in recent weeks have really installed that that <clears throat> kind of composure at the back that Newcastle have needed. And you look at the, the record in 2018, I think they won something like the third lowest amount of goals conceded in the whole league, which is just phenomenal when you consider Newcastle up until now have been in a relegation battle. It's a, it's a really good record. With the likes of Modi Army performing well, Lejeune, Dubravka... Rafa can maybe afford himself a little smile and maybe now isn't the right time to go up to the board and say, look, I asked for these players, they were my choices and, and look, look, what, look, look, look what has happened. But come the summer, do you think he'll be going well? There's the evidence, if Newcastle obviously do survive. Oh, very much so, because when he sat down with Mike Ashley in the past, it's been put to him when he wanted another goalkeeper last summer 
this was after he'd sat down with Meg Ashley, basically was told, well, you've got four goalkeepers already. Um, you signed Matt Sells last year, that didn't work out. You signed Ashraf Lazar, that didn't work out, and all these sorts of things. So Benitez will very much play his cards, and he, he won't do it in an arrogant way, but he'll just say, look, if you put me in charge of the football operations, this is what I can deliver. I know what I'm talking about. You just have to think, if he got the players he wanted last summer, so if he got an, an additional left-back so he had further cover there, if he got an attacker midfielder, if he got a goalkeeper and if he got another striker, then Newcastle would probably be looking to be battling for that 7th or 8th slot with, with Burnley. And that's not that's not just saying, preempting that they would have done so much better, but it, it only takes three wins and you suddenly, in mid further up mid-table, you, you, on the outskirts of, of Europe really in that regard. And, uh, in January, what he got eventually, it was another excruciating window, but what he got eventually was what he needed. He needed a left-sided attacker or an attacking player in general. He got one in Kennedy. He needed a goalkeeper and he, he needed a striker. We haven't even seen much of the striker yet. But the impact that the other two have made has been huge. And I mean, Slomani himself, even on Saturday for the goal, if Slomani hadn't been on the pitch, if it had been Dwight Gale instead would uh, Lossel have come out and, and flapped at the, the cross as it is it wouldn't have been the same sort of threat so these are the players he needed this is a difference I've made and I, I, he certainly will be looking at that and saying um, you need to let me restructure this club and restructure the playing staff as I need because competition is what drives us as well they're now too deep in certain positions midfield Marino wasn't even on the bench at the weekend goalkeeper they've got three currently at the club Woodman out on loan Sells out on loan and really class him as, as competing for the first team place in one but that's what he wants Clark on the bench it's his depth across the pitch and that's what he needs to be allowed to build I think look in terms of like Newcastle fan frustration as well you mentioned there if Benitez had got those players in the summer no one, no Newcastle fan would have expected Newcastle to be battling the seventh place at the start of the season it just wasn't just didn't seem realistic but as you see there if he had got those players there's no reason why they couldn't have been if he isn't back this summer then you know there's absolutely no you, you can't blame Newcastle fans you can't blame Benitez for airing that frustration even more so because it's showing now Newcastle are one of the most informed teams in the league some of the players are the most informed players in the league they're getting the result if they can do that consistently over a full season next year as you say there's absolutely no reason why they can't finish top 7 they could even finish top 10 now you look only 2 points yeah. off they've got Watford away to play Leicester away Everton away teams in and around them in that, in that little mid-table zone now where they could, if they can get those wins, there's absolutely no reason why they can't finish in that top 10. Because the problem last summer was Rafa Benitez saw this and thought, we really can't have an assault in the top 10 with just a few <clears> additions here and there. Just If he got the players in early, it wasn't about spending a lot of money. It was just making sure it was to strengthen the weakest areas of the team. They had weaknesses, um, and they've got weaknesses all over the pitch, but the real glaring part of his team where he thought they lacked. They lacked goals going forward. He wanted the ability to play with a different way with a goalkeeper. And if they'd been able to do that, then who knows where they could have been. And if they hadn't, be, if he hadn't been allowed to do that in the final throws of the January window, who knows where they could have been as well. Because when Mike Ashley looked at it last summer, he thought 17th place, that's great. Rafa Benitez thought, well, we could get top 10 or higher here. That is the difference. But if Rafa Benitez isn't here long term, then if Mike Ashley isn't going to put the money in because he wants to sell the club, A, he's not going to have Rafa Benitez to be able to get him out of it, and B three loan signings every January window isn't going to keep Newcastle up. Eventually, it comes back to bite you. You've seen it with Sunderland in the last couple of years. You've seen it with West Brom and other teams now. If your only hope is survival, then eventually you've come short of that. You have to aim higher. Is there a risk, though, that if, say, Newcastle finished where they are now, 12th, even breaking the top 10, that Mike Ashley looks at it in the summer and says, well, look, we've done it on a budget. We'll do it on a budget again next season and the season after that. I mean, you have to ask just how far Rafa Benitez can be can be pushed. We know he loves the club, he loves the city, he loves the fans. But if them talks do in the summer come down to that, yeah, he has a budget again. It's a small one. What happens then? Yeah, that that is a very fair point, and it, it, it's very true. Rafa Benitez isn't going to sign a new contract on the basis that he's going to be staying in the club, who are going to be scrapping around trying to just about survive, or on the whim that there might be a takeover at some stage. Even this summer, you'll want to know that he can make progress going forward. You'll want that TV money. You'll want to be able to strengthen different areas of the team and think, right, we don't want, I don't want to be scrapping next season. I don't want to be going to Man City and Liverpool and putting out a team that I don't really know if they're capable of winning. Um, he wants to be able to go and compete in every game as he would term it. So that's going to be crucial to any talks that, that do happen and really must happen because Benitez isn't going to stay long term if, if he isn't if he can't see an ability to grow this team and progress further. Now, to a few of the players that played on Saturday, 
briefly mentioned Florian Lejeune there. Thought it was very impressive. He's been brilliant for the last four games. I think five games of my United game, he came back from injury and he, yeah. he looked like a very, very good player. He is the sort of ball-playing defender which Pep Guardiola you know, likes in his team. I mean, you give it a few more seasons at this level, I know it's easy to say that now after only a handful of games, but he's got something about him and he looks like a very, very good player. I don't think he'll go back to Man City, sorry, just to defeat <laughs> I don't think he'll go back there, but... Well, yeah, that, that Man City transfer situation was bizarre. But it, it, anyone who watched him in pre-season, I went down to Bradford. And yes, I know, you're playing Bradford. It's a mediocre league, one opposition. So so sorry to Mark Douglas, but you know it, we only deal with facts, yeah? Anyway, um, and it, on, on that day there, he was absolutely fantastic. He was bringing balls down. His first touch looked brilliant. He was playing cross-field passes. You were thinking, wow, what a player we've got here. Obviously, his season got derailed by that injury in the first game of the season against Tottenham. Took him a while to come back, took him a while to adapt. It seems like he's finally doing that now. Hopefully, he continue that, the, the run of form he's on until the end of the season, injury free. And you like to think, you like to think, well, what kind of improvement can he make with a full season behind him next year? Him and the Cells are striking up a real partnership. Newcastle seem to be setting on a, on a settled start of 11 now, which under Rafa Benitez has never really been the case, has it? You look now that. Midfield partnerships of Shelby and Diarmier, the Sher and the Cells. Yeah, the Dummett, always the, the, the preferred fullback options. Matt Ritchie and Candy seem to be holding down the winger, win the winger positions. It's a real settled team, and if you know players like the Sher can thrive on that kind of continuity and consistency with the, the, the name and an unchanged 11 can bring. Definitely, and on Saturday, what was really good to see was that he was dragging the Cells across and pointing and saying, you know, you have got to stop that down the left and he was saying to Dummett, you've got to get in position, you've got to think about it, you know, a lot of communication which Dubravka has been praised for since his arrival, it's kind of gone under the radar with the cells but you watch him and he's constantly talking and, and he's constantly giving out instructions and also seems to be that Benitez, he's he's the man that Benitez will say, right, this is what I want the team to do and then Lejeune passes on the, the instructions. Yeah, you could see that when we were out in Spain, you could hear all this communication on going in and again. Both Dubravka, I mean, Dubravka was the loudest by a country mile. It was, it was fascinating listening to him, actually, just constant. But he also had Lejeune in there. And, and when you talk about Benitez communicating with him, Benitez likes to have a player, be it a goalkeeper or a centre-back, or preferably both, who essentially are his eyes and ears out on the pitch and, as you say, guide the rest of the team, drive them and, and, and tactically keep them right, keep them right positionally and basically spot different things from the back of the pitch. That's what I don't think he felt he was getting from the likes of Darlow and Elliot early in the season and why he always wanted a different goalkeeper. Yes, he's ball playing as well, but I think he also wanted someone who could direct more from the back. And Lejeune certainly brings that into centre-back. For all the Celsius qualities and his communication is one of his qualities, I think he's more of a defensive organisation style. I think Lejeune can spot things going forward that you don't necessarily get from the cells and they are complementing each other very well. It's interesting when Shaw talks about the midfield combination because I think if you look back to the summer, particularly around September time, if you'd forecast to now, certainly Modi Army wouldn't have been a one of the centre midfielders you'd have thought. But even I don't think John Joe Shelby, I think at that point you would have probably said Mikel Marino would have been the first midfielder and then possibly Isaac Hayden alongside and maybe Shelby. Well, now Marino wasn't even on the bench at the weekend. Really struggled since that back injury to, to, to rediscover his form. Uh, Hayden hasn't seen much football at all either and, and really have settled in midfield and both of them have stepped up. But that's what competition brings. They've driven each other on. Benitez wanted four midfielders who could all compete and drive each other on to different levels. And Giammi and Shelby are playing so well that the other two just aren't getting the look in. It's the same in the centre half as well, isn't it? You think the start of the season, the cell wasn't even the, <clears throat> in the the start two against Tottenham, Kieran Clark and the German with a centre half partnership. And that season, Kieran Clark was arguably my player of the season. He was brilliant, wasn't he? Mm. You look back at the summer to now, you never envisage that Kieran Clark would be shut out of the team the way he has been. Yeah. What's great is that I think Kieran Clark spoke to Boosie in Newcastle over the weekend and his attitude was brilliant. He said, Look, I, I, we knew this was going to be the kind of season it was, there was going to be competition for places. and I'm, I'm fighting for my place and I'm happy to do so. Paul Dummett said it, I think, in an interview with uh, George Colkin in the Times. I welcome competition. I would like another left back to come in. And you've seen it with uh, Mitrovic as well. He's gone out. He's not a bad way to say about Benitez. There's this kind of respect towards Benitez that all the players seem to have. There's not. A, seems there doesn't seem to be a, 
a bad apple, to use a cliched term, in the, in the squad, they all are willing to fight for their players. Well, what Benitez does so well is he's, he's honest with the players from the start. He makes it clear. He told the goalkeepers last summer when he hoped he was going to get a goalkeeper last summer. He sat them all down and he said, I'm going to sign another goalkeeper. It didn't happen in the end because he didn't get them. But he, he, it wasn't as if this goalkeeper was just brought in all of a sudden and they didn't. They the speculation was something was the way they were learning about the need for another goalkeeper. He's been honest with Paul Dummett all along. He says, I want another left back because I want to increase competition. He's, he's frank and honest with some of the players and sometimes it goes the other way you've got like Jack Colback and Tim Crow clearly didn't like it when Benitez told them that we're no, no longer part of his plans who would I suppose uh, to a certain degree but he was honest with them and he said look find another club because you're not going to be part of my first team plans and he's done that and, and all the players have bought into that they realise that's going to improve them as players and that's how they're going to be part of a successful club other managers you hear of incidents where they're just don't explain to someone why they're not in the team whereas Benitez regularly sits down and you'll listen when players come and knock on his door and you'll sit there and I know for a fact he's, he's sat with a lot of players this season uh, he sat down with the likes of Marino and Hayden and explained to them why they haven't been in the team but tells them all you can keep doing is performing and training and your chance will come it might not be in the next couple of weeks but within a few months you will get an opportunity and you, you the only way you're going to keep that opportunity is by impressing me and training and driving the other players on Right. Dwight Gill's another example, isn't he, as well? You think in the summer, look, at one stage he was likely to go and join Fulham. Mm-hmm. In the last few weeks, he's been one of Newcastle's better players. I know he missed a few chances this weekend, but you know, in Slamani's absence, it, it, as you say again, it's the competition it, it drives those players on, doesn't it? Even though Slamani hasn't been fit, the, the knowledge that he's going to be coming back at some point, the knowledge that Benitez has brought him in to be the man up front. Has really drove Dwight Gale on. You know, it's, it's great to see. Speak about Dwight Gale and just I just want to ask you both about the partnership between Lascelles and Lejeune. We all know Lascelles has got all these plaudits and calls for England linked to Chelsea. But how important is it to have someone of we'll say experience? I mean, I think Lejeune's only twenty six, but at the same time, wise head on on the shoulders. I mean, his career can only really benefit from having someone like Lejeune at his side. Yeah, well, I think that you just have to look at the prime example would be Stephen Taylor at Newcastle didn't really ever have that. And when he first came through at Newcastle, you thought that there's a player who really could have gone on and played for England. And I, th- I think he had all the raw component parts, but he never really had that settled, experienced partner alongside him to help guide him through. Now, as you say, Lejeune's only 26, but he's played a fair amount of football, albeit he's had to readjust to English football this year, which has taken a bit of time. And he, he himself admits that, and Rafa admits that about him. But you can just see he's a very clever footballer. He knows positionally where to be. He knows which pass to put out. He knows how to, to pull his team alongside him. And I think the two of them complement each other. I think Lejeune benefits from being alongside Lascelles as well because Lascelles is so defensively disciplined. Lejeune is able to go forward a bit more and can, can advance with the ball, can pick out those passes. So I think that it's it's a mutual benef- mutual beneficial relationship but certainly Lascelles needs that alongside him. Although, with alongside Clark, he did very well, but again, a player with a bit more experience. And I'm hoping that uh, it stays that way, because I think Lascelles tried to play out with defence once or twice on Saturday, especially towards the end, and Newcastle were a bit fortunate. First it was Atsu, and then he picked up the ball Lascelles, and he tried to play his way out, rather than just booting it at the stand, and Huddersfield got, got the ball in, and Newcastle were looking to escape in the last, I think it was the last six, seven minutes. Yeah, for all his... Uh, Attributes. I don't think Lascelles is, is the best ball playing centre half at Newcastle, never mind in, in the Premier League or in the English team, um, English candidates for that position. And that's why having Lejeune there gives you the option to be able to play out from the back. If it, Clark and Clark is reasonable on the ball, but certainly isn't as good as, as Lejeune. So Lascelles, I think, just needs to realise that, that that's what his game is. Yes, he wants to improve that area and start getting better at passing the ball out, but. He needs. To, he, he just needs to work on what are his current strengths and, and get better at them. Because somewhat we saw the same with Czech Tiotti when he was in Newcastle. When he just did what he was very good at, which was the destructive stuff, he was excellent. Once he started thinking he was some sort of ball playing midfield player, once Johan Kabai went, that's when it went awry a bit. So he needs to focus on what he's very good at, and that is the defensive attributes. And every team needs someone like that. If you've got Lejeune alongside, yeah, do I think there's an element in there? Obviously. We all called for the cells to be in the England squad. He was very unfortunate not to get called in that England squad. But you look at the way Gareth Southgate's team played, the three at the back, even Kyle Water was playing as a centre back in the last two friendlies. And there was a lot of praise for how, how you know how, how well England kept possession, how well the, the players, you know, came out of defence as the shirt does, roam out of defence, play the balls, midfielder dropping in to cover them. 
there's, there's nothing there's possibly an element in there the cells thinking well if I'm going to do anything to get in this World Cup team maybe I do need to start showing that I can play a bit with the ball and as you say maybe that isn't his strengths but that could be a case of you know I've only got what six seven games left this season to prove that I'm capable of breaking into this team this is the way I can possibly do it which probably it probably is a fair assumption yeah I mean because clearly Southgate isn't going to pick him given his consistent defensive displays because otherwise he would have done so far so yeah maybe subconsciously he is thinking something like that and you can't really blame him for that because uh, I can see I mean I have to be honest I didn't watch either of the England games but I can understand if that's the way they want to play but I still think that someone like Lascelles given some of the other options in there there is reasonable competition there but I think that just given how consistent he's been should have been in with a share of being in that squad. Grant, and just one final question before we move on from the Lejeune Loving. Do we think he purposely picked out Perez for the start of that goal on Saturday? It's a nice little header straight down to uh, Perez. Was it a clearance or was it an actual? He, he spotted him. I think he spotted him. I think he, I think first form was a header, but I think that he, that's, that's his natural ability, his natural instinct is to try and find one of his teammates with a clearance. I think that I think it was deliberate. And just a little bit on Perez, I, I just like it praise him really just because I think he's someone who quite often receives criticism from fair number of sports I was getting tweeted a lot during the first half I think Perez had missed the chance and loads of people saying oh he's useless he shouldn't be the team but if you look at his record in terms of pure numbers the goals and the assists don't seem brilliant for a number 10 he's got three goals three assists but in terms of what he's contributed this season it's no coincidence that Benitez has picked him for just about every single one of the games he's targeted against the bottom eight. I think he started all bar one. Uh, he's been involved in eight wins. Brain, I think he was on the bench, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, I think it was Brain, he was on the bench. Uh, no, West Ham, he was on the bench. Sorry, West Ham, he was on the bench. Um, came on. So he started just about all those. The goals he scored and the assists he's made have been crucial. They've all brought points in, in some form. He's scored two winners against Stoke and against uh, the weekend against Huddersfield. And I just think that the, what he brings to that team is so important. He's not a flashy number 10. He's not someone who's going to score 10, 15 goals a season. assist just as many. He's not the David Silva type. But what he is, he makes clever runs. He plays an important role defensively in that position. And when Benitez couldn't get the number 10 last summer, he's, he's, he's had to rely on Perez as his only real out-and-out second striker. He's tried other people, but he's done very well in that role. And I think an actual number 10 coming in would, would actually benefit Perez because I think it would drive him on another level Sure, I mean the goal that um, he scored on mm. uh, Saturday obviously Lejeune knocked it on to him and then he turned and got in between two other school players and picked out Atta with a wonderful pass and you think maybe 18 months ago uh, Perez would have just been bundled off the ball there. he seems to have grown in strength he's got a much more better eye for a pass and I mean you put that down to obviously his own hard work but I suppose down to Benitez and getting the best out of him Possibly, yeah. I think he has made improvements certainly over the last 18 months, as you mentioned there. He, there's a lot of times, you know, Perez gets the ball and he, we all know he, he is technically proficient, but there is this argument where he, he, he isn't the strongest. Um, his decision making hasn't been great, but I think the Southampton game when you know when Dwight Gale made that burst and run from the from the box, it was Perez who originally brought that ball out. You know, kept possession, wait till the final moment to pick, pick that killer pass. It was the same on Saturday. It's like that's my stomach pumping there, <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, you know, he, as you say, I think his, <laughs> his decision making is uh, is improving. You see, he scores important goals. Last season against Brighton was was, was absolutely huge, wasn't it? And he make, he makes those he makes those. I think he makes some clever runs, as Chris says. There, he gets into good positions. You look at where he scored on Saturday; he was in the right place. Stoke is the same. You know, he knows where to be in the box. Sometimes it doesn't necessarily always come off. But I think there's always a place for someone like Perez in the side who works hard. Who has got that ability to score important goals? Because it is no coincidence, as you said, that Benitez picks him for those games. And it's no coincidence that he keeps popping up with important goals. Yes, we do need Newcastle do need a, a, a proper number ten, a creative midfielder. Like that is probably the one position that is really glaringly lacking at the minute. But as you say, there's always a place for a player like Perez in your side who can score those important goals, who works hard, and you know, and he is improving. And it's it's it's, it's another one under Rafa who has made genuine improvement. The likes of him, Dummett, Yedlin. Yes, they're not. They're probably not the greatest, most eye-catching players. But if you actually sit back and break down their improvement since Benitez has been in the club, or since in Yedlin's case when he joined the club, it, it it's been marked, hasn't it? Oh yeah, and just about every single player you can pick that up from. Certainly the ones who were here before Benitez was here are still members of the squad. 
I mean, the cells improvement is the obvious one as well. He's gone from someone who basically couldn't even get a place in the team. The only place he played was left back away at Man City in that disastrous game. And apart from that, he didn't get a look at it. Now he's he's captain and on the fringes, really, of the England squad. All these players, Shelby, I think, looks looks reformed in terms of he's always had the ability to pick that pass going forward, but he just seems so much more disciplined and seems to know his role. Diarmi. Again, somebody signed, but the, the improvement in him and the ability to do—he's he, played a few different positions with him and, and managed to get more out of him. And that—that's what Benitez does. He's—he's he's a coach as well as a manager, and that's another reason why Mike Ashley has to look at him and think the players that he signed—the vast majority of them—you take out the likes of Matt Sells and, and, and Ashraf Lazar, the ones he sat and worked with—all of them will be worth more money now than when Newcastle signed them. And if he is looking eventually for a model whereby players are going to get brought through the academy then Benitez is the one who can develop them and hopefully turn them into first team players as well On to Islam Slomani I was mightily impressed with him when he came on um, you could just sense though when he was running down the touchline warming up I think it was 32 minutes and the crowd were just already on their feet they, were, they really wanted to see him just his presence on the bench alone seemed to give Newcastle a nice little boost and after he comes on within, I think, 72 minutes. First of all, big decision for Rafa to make because it would have been, do we protect the point or do I throw on another striker who maybe isn't 100% fit and risk it, risk potentially losing the point or do I go 4-3? And he made, he made the right call in the end. He did, I think that, because I was of the opinion before the game that Slomani would only come on if it was either Newcastle were winning quite comfortably or really they needed to go to a different plan. But I, I actually think that what he decided was the rest of the team was playing so well and Huddersfield looked so limited that Gale didn't look like he was going to score on Saturday. For all he did well around the pitch, he missed those two big chances. And I think he just made the decision that Slomani will give us something a little bit different. And defensively, he'd be good if, if Huddersfield do get any set pieces anyway. And then in attacking sense, the havoc that he did eventually create. And I still think he looked rusty in some of the things that he did. And that's understandable, he hasn't played much football. But immediately, the Huddersfield defence looked more look, I wouldn't say scared, but looked more unnerved by the fact that Slomani was on the pitch. You could see them suddenly think, well, we're going to have to defend things in the air. Yeah, he, he, he actually did run in behind as well, which is not necessarily something you, you'd expect from him. And uh, Hopefully we will see a fair amount from the last six games of the season. He can't play this weekend, which is disappointing, but uh, he's, got a, he's got a huge point to prove if he wants to relaunch his Leicester career or if he wants a career at Newcastle or just to, real, to really pick up the interest there was a couple of years ago because he's 29 now and he was Europe's big thing a couple of years ago and it hasn't really worked out for him so uh, he has a, a big point to prove so even if Newcastle was here to, to win on Saturday and, and then be safe Islam Samani is one of quite a few players who still has a point to prove He came on and he, he nearly scored within the first few moments lovely pass from John Joe Shelby beats the offside trap chest control just takes him wide of the goalkeeper and he can't get his shot off but then there was moments before the goal came when he, I think he runs he runs deep and he wins the ball and he turns, he does try and sprint and you can see he's looking a bit leggy. Obviously he's got to, uh, you know, he's still not 100% match fit. But these two weeks that he's now without the game, Sean, perfect opportunity for him to get up to full fitness, come back for the Arsenal game and, um, you know, maybe maybe hopefully grab the winner. That's it, yeah. He's going to bring a different dimension to Newcastle. You mentioned the lift he gave to the fans. He probably gave a lift to the players as well. You know, it's, it's some, something new for them to work with. And, you know, he, he has been under Jamie Vardy, except where Leicester and the pecking order. But when he has played, he has got a decent scoring record. He scored some important goals, particularly in the Champions League last season. The group stage, mm. he scored a couple of decent goals there. As you see, he's got now two weeks to to prepare for, you know, the, the game after Leicester. I think it's Arsenal, isn't it? At home, it's, it again will be a big occasion for Newcastle. New, Arsenal will be coming in that game after a trip from from Moscow only three days earlier. So you know, if Samani can get himself fighting fit for that, you know, you, you see he made a few runs in behind on Saturday. He looked sharp. He added that different dimension, particularly in the air from out wide and crosses and stuff like that. So. Hopefully in two weeks' time, Chris says there he's got a point to prove. He has got he has got a good goal scoring pedigree when he's played in England for Leicester. Hopefully we see that in the last few weeks, starting in that Arsenal game. What's great to see is that you know sometimes you can get a player coming in like Samani's obviously he's on a big wage, he's the paid the big loan fee from, and then he's not played, 
and sometimes in certain clubs you might get that kind of friction you know Dwight Gale's obviously a big character in the dressing room you might not want to see their friend kind of turfed out but he seems to have fit in really well which if the next six games go well maybe in the summer that, that, that's a good sign that maybe you could you know become a permanent Newcastle United player Potentially I think at the moment he really ha- he has a point to prove to a lot of people because Rafa Benitez wasn't convinced by him in January he wasn't near the top of the list um, and in the end he was probably the final option and the only person they could get they knew they were signing him injured as well so um, in terms of him signing him permanently he's going to have to prove a lot there isn't an agreement as far as I'm, I understand in the loan deal whereby it's an option to buy I think at the moment it is, it is just a loan in general Leicester I imagine would want a fair amount of the money they paid from back to, to sell him on so f- if he is going to earn that then he's going to have to, to really impress you in those final six games of the season because I just think that Rafa, if Rafa Benitez is going to stay long term he's probably got other targets in mind who he didn't get in January or who he's been tracking for a while and thought were more attainable in the summer so as I say it is a big few weeks for, for Slavani because if his future isn't going to be in Newcastle he has to make sure it's at Leicester or if it's somewhere else and that he gets the move he wants so it's, it's in everyone's interest including Newcastle's because they A want to finally secure promotion math- uh, safety mathematically and then also uh, they want to, to challenge as high as they can the table, so it's it's a big it's a big five six games for Slomani, and he needs to make sure he is fully fit. For and I think in terms of you know earning a move to Newcastle, that was his intention from this move. He's, he's kind of missed the boat a bit in terms of like that crucial period from signing on deadline day to where we are now, where they are seven points clear. Mm. He you know he was brought in to be the man to do that. Mm. Now you're in, the, you're in this last, these last few games where. Newcastle realistically only need one more win to be absolutely sure of safety. Um, you know, it, the, but the pressure, the intensity isn't going to be on. You're not going to see Stamani in that kind of pressure cooker environment, particularly at home, where it's, it's going to be the, the massive atmosphere, the massive build up. And as you say, Leicester want to recoup a lot of the money they paid for him. He's 29, he's obviously had the, the dodgy injury record since he's joined Newcastle. I just think that even if he does go on to score, I think he's going to make a positive impact when he does play, as I said before, but even if he does go on to score five, six goals between now and the end of the season, all that kind, of, all that's kind of hanging over him already in terms of the injuries, in terms of the price tag, in terms of his age, and he hasn't really had the chance to do it when the pressure's really been on, has he? Now, just a quick message from our sponsors. Are you looking for a brand new or used Mini or BMW? Then look no further than Lloyd Newcastle. They have an impressive range of all the latest Mini and BMW models, complete with the latest tech to keep you connected, entertained and safe on the roads. Such as the Mini Countryman, Mini's most spacious model, with optional all four four-wheel drive technology or BMW X-Drive, an intelligent all-wheel drive system offering a new dimension to driving enjoyment. With a whole range of optional features available, including head-up display, mini-connected, sat-nav, headed seats, parking sensors, stereo upgrades and more, you can really make your Mini or BMW your own. Or if you're looking for a used car to be proud of, they have over 600 approved used vehicles across the Lloyd Group available with competitive finance packages. For the latest offers and to see their used car stock, visit www.lloydmotorgroup.com or why not just pop in? You can find them off Barrett Road just up from St James's Park. Lloyd Newcastle, the way it should be. Dwight Gale, I'm a big fan of Dwight Gale's all-round game. It's definitely improved over the last, the last year or so. But by God, he keeps missing chances. And you just have to think, how many more can Newcastle afford him to miss? Because if if he'd scored some of the chances he's had in the last two two months or so, Newcastle probably wouldn't be looking for one more win. He'd probably be safe. And Saturday was another good example. He's he's made the runs, the Shelby ball, chips it over the keeper. Okay, not the easiest chance in the world. The next one um, from the Yelling Cross, again, not the easiest chance, but... He's done the hard job. He's brought it down. He's just got to put in the back of the net. It, it flies over. I think you spotted some ink um, when the final, the halftime whistle went, where he's shaking his head. He's not happy with himself. He knows that the pressure's on him to get goals, and with Slomani now in fit, that pressure's only going to increase. Yeah, as he went down the the tunnel, um, Antonio uh, Gomez Perez sort of put his arm around him and to try and tell him chin up because he was shaking his head. He was going. Uh, down the tunnel disappointed and there were two huge chances which he, he should have probably scored at least one of them I think the one the ball over from Shelby I think he should have scored that one 
the other one you can see it's a striker where he's snatching a chance where he's, he's a bit low on confidence in front of goal but his all-round game has been very good and it could be a very big weekend for him because Hosselu is probably he might be fit to be on the bench but he's unlikely to be able to start obviously Slomani can't play so you'd expect that Gale will probably play unless Benitez tries something else with, with Atsu or Perez or whoever up front but you'd think Gale's going to get another opportunity and he really needs to take it unless if he gets a chance he needs to take it because that's the one thing that's been missing from his game the last few weeks unfortunately that's the one thing that he really needs to contribute because he's, he's yeah. a centre forward but his all round game has been very very good um, and I, I would I would quite like him to score because I, th- I think he deserves a goal I think he, he's played well and it's it, 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 just isn't quite happening for him in front of goal at the moment. I think, sorry, sorry, I think he's done enough to kind of play his way and rather be you know, his future plans going on this summer, but obviously not as that number one striker target. You know, not only would he, if he had scored those goals, would Newcastle be in a lot better position than they are now? They wouldn't necessarily be looking for that forward again because obviously last season the championship is prolific in that first half of the season. But even at that level, he was missing a few chances. And at the Premier League level, you know, you're not going to get as many chances as you did get, particularly in that first half of the season last season, where Newcastle were creating loads, they were they were, they were on fire, really dominating teams. Yeah, he's not going to get the opportunity in the Premier League. He does score important goals from time to time. He gets in those positions, but doesn't do it consistently enough. If you think back to Bournemouth, the way he obviously got the brace, and that was huge in terms of building on the result of the, the, the previous week, but. Newcastle, as you say, Andrew, wouldn't be in the position they're on now if he had taken chances and they wouldn't necessarily be looking for another forward if he had taken those chances because he'd be on over 10 goals at least. He would indeed. Um, brief mention of Matt Ritchie and Kennedy. Obviously, we all know about their attacking abilities. Kennedy's been uh, been brilliant since he's joined. One thing I noticed on Saturday was both of them were acting kind of a, as a wing-back in a way where they were going back and helping out their full-backs and sometimes... Matt Ritchie was behind Yedlin and Yedlin was, was trying to block the run of the uh, of the player ahead of them and it was great to see lots of uh, communication again and them two really do get back and they really do form kind of a what would be, be a six man defence in a way when, when Newcastle under the cosh Yeah um, they, they like to Benitez likes his wingers to work hard that's part of of really playing under Rafa Benitez is you have, you have your role in the team and for, for someone like Yedlin it's really benefited him to have Matt Ritchie who always gives that endeavour and it almost covers him at times um, on that right back position because we know that the one thing that Yedlin does struggle with is, is some of his defensive duties albeit he's improved immeasurably in that area and uh, Rafa Benitez Kennedy um, it's interesting because Dummett doesn't necessarily overlap too much but sometimes you can see that teams will try and put two men on to Dummett in the hope that, that Newcastle they can catch Newcastle out down that side but Kennedy has been very disciplined he even performed the wing-back role away at uh, Liverpool defensively it's not he's disciplined but it's it's not where he excels and you can see he was he was frustrated to a certain degree in that role because he didn't have the freedom to attack which is what he's so good at um, but in terms of in those games where Newcastle have, have needed to beat or at least draw against teams in and around them the wingers have just been just as important as anyone else because they have been disciplined mid sure Newcastle don't lose anything first and then go on and win it and the, the pass from Kennedy for the winner I thought was, was very clever I don't know if he's necessarily got the, the credit he deserves for that because he I think a lot of people would have just put their foot through that and shot but he, he spotted that Perez was there already and to execute it perfectly to give Perez a chance just to slide in was he did very well I mean, obviously, you know, Kennedy's brought in that, that star quality that Newcastle were kind of lacking in that, that final third, but what's been the positive thing for me is when, when he first signed, I remember speaking to Oliver Harbord, who works for one of our sister titles, Football London, covering Chelsea all the time, and he said that, you know, Kennedy, there's no doubt he's got the quality. You look back at that clip that went viral against Norwich in the FA Cup where he did that trick, and, you know, he's got the, he's got the ability. The main question mark was his discipline, where he's got the character to succeed in the Premier League, he didn't. He didn't necessarily know or think or convince that going to Newcastle he would succeed in that environment. Because at the time Newcastle were right in the middle of that relegation fight. You know they were always in around the bottom three. Um, and since he's come in, you know, he, not only has he brought the quality, his, his passion hasn't been in question at all, has it? His character has really shone through. You know, and the fifteen million that was quoted the other week, if that is the case, and I don't see any reason why Newcastle shouldn't be going for that because he's well, been absolutely fantastic. Well, I'll get fifteen yeah. million given today's today's prices. Definitely, yeah. And you know, 
I just think that in, in, in an attacking sense, he's just been absolutely fantastic. He's made such a difference in Newcastle in the second half of the season. Brilliant. We'll go on to Leicester in just a moment, but a few names, Chris, that are flying around the good old internet. Transfer gossip never never dies, never sleeps, even though the window isn't open for another good few months yet. Um, Moses, Simon, one name that's popping about? He's certainly someone that they've, they've looked at over the last, say, six to 12 months. I think at the moment, Newcastle are in a stage where Obviously, we don't know what the budget's going to be. Rafa Benitez doesn't know what the budget's going to be. So looking into that, he, he has players he's, he's identified long-term. And by that, I don't mean he's necessarily said, this is our first choice signing this summer. But in each position, he, he's asked his recruitment team to, to find, I think it's between 8 and 12 players, if not more. So I think say, he certainly is someone they've looked at. He's a pacey winger from uh, who play on the left. I think he can play on the right as well out in Belgium so he's someone he is certainly someone they've looked at I mean potential castle exits we know one name is constantly mentioned obviously Miguel Reno but anyone else that you think might be heading towards the exit door um, well in terms of players who aren't necessarily at Newcastle at the moment I would expect the majority of players out alone to go I think the Mitrovic will likely leave if Benitez stays sells if they can get rid of him the only problem is uh, actual and Lascelles, I mean Lascelles someone who keeps being linked away the likes of Chelsea and uh, and whatnot and Newcastle are gonna have to to make a player to keep him, I think. not because I think he's thinking about leaving, but if one of those big clubs did come in then you couldn't really blame him for having a second glance and that's why keeping Rafa Benitez is gonna be so crucial. Uh, in, ter- in terms of other players uh, at the moment I think that uh, it's fairly settled as to, to who he's, he's going to keep from, from his first team squad the players who are playing a lot at the moment will likely be in the round the team next year but he'll certainly like upgrades to, to A play ahead of them or compete with them or B to, to bulk out the squad with a bit more quality and I suppose Sean for the likes of Lascelles and Marino it shows just how key it is to, to keep Rafa Benitez at this club because he is I don't know what he, he's the, the key to Newcastle United and if without him Newcastle wouldn't be 12th in the Premier League they wouldn't be looking ahead to survival um, and they probably wouldn't be able to keep the likes of Jamal Lascelles and uh, Mikel Muno definitely not you, you know you, <clears throat> those type of players are going to have to look for something in the summer that's, that's going to give them some sort of hope that they are a club that are going to continue to progress forward you know under Benitez the improvement has just been absolutely staggering and that's all been done on a limited budget at times. The frustrations have been aired out in public. We all know them, we've all discussed them before. If he doesn't get back this summer, if he doesn't stay beyond this summer, the likes of the cells, if a Chelsea's gonna come in for him, what what on earth stopping him from leaving? Because there is no that if, if you get rid of a manager like Benitez, there's no for a club like Newcastle there's no better alternative, is there? So what's what's the what's the incentive for him to stay? There's no there's no sign of progression into a club saying that. We've kind of reached our ceiling now. There's there's no way forward. It's the same with Marino. You know the only reason I, I imagine one of the main reasons Marino joined Newcastle is no one needs to play him under Rafa Benitez, a, play, a manager that he'll know him well through being Spanish, and going back to going back to Spain to Athletic Bilbao would probably be an appealing move to someone like him, a club that consistently qualifies for Europe, consistently around the top seven in Spain, playing for fanatical fans in Bilbao. He's from the region. He's Basque. You know they need some sort of incentive to stay in Rafa Benitez office there. On Celeste, obviously, team who won the Premier League when Newcastle United got relegated a couple of seasons back was Benitez's first game in charge at Newcastle was against Leicester. Got beat. It'd been a bit of a, a strange couple of years for them, obviously, fighting relegation after they won Premier League. And this season, again, they've been close to the bottom, but now they've turned it around under PR and he's got them up to, I think, it's eighth now, 43 points. They've got some brilliant players in that side, and when they came to Newcastle, it was a three-two victory for for them. It was an exciting game for the neutral, I think, from the Castle fans. It was a bit, a bit of heart heartache, but Newcastle are going to do well to keep the likes of Mares and Vardy quiet. It's going to be a very tough game um, because Leicester, as well, for a few months now, two months probably, have been playing with a bit of freedom as well because they weren't going to get relegated once uh, they'd won two or three games in the Puel and. Um, they can, they're now targeting that finally Europa League spot really they're going to try and get up there for it but in terms of the pressure is off them they, they don't have to win games 
um, it's not going to make that much of a difference if they don't get there. So then they are dangerous in that regard. The like Mares is back to playing his best after his January, uh, what late January debacle. disappearance, yeah, debacle, whatever you want to call it. Um, Surely another one again this summer as well. Yes. Uh, indeed, he's a very good player. I think he does very well for them and feels a bore or like. I think they've got good balance in the team. They've got power. They've got pace. Got creativity, um, and it'll be interesting to see what type of game plan Benitez goes there with because um, I assume he won't want the defence to be too high because then you've got the likes of Vardy and going behind. But then from set pieces, they're dangerous because they've got the likes of Ebora, the centre backs are big. So I'm going to I'm going to be very intrigued to see how Benitez approaches the game because when he went there last time, he'd only been in charge for three days, didn't have a fit left back. So I think Jack Colback played a left back. Um, and so it was interesting. It'll be interesting to see what, what happens this time round. Obviously, Newcastle have played Southampton, they've played Huddersfield, were really tested. The Bravka has not been tested in two games, really, barring maybe one or two uh, half chances. To go into a game where they've got the likes of Vardy, who's a very good player, Mares, you know, we know how they play. Yeah. It's Is it in a way that Newcastle have been dealt a, a bad hand in a way because? Yeah, I've gone through the last two games relatively untested. The defensive relatively had an easy time of it, and they're going to go up against the Leicester side who who really can play attacking football, and you know they they've got effective players up front. I don't I don't think that'll necessarily make too much of a difference, but it's certainly going to be a very different test they're going to face, isn't it? It's a it's a team that's blessed with real attacking talent. As you said, Chris mentioned Jamie Vardy. You look at some of the goals he scored recently. The ball's in behind. Once he gets that run on the defender, he's almost impossible to catch, isn't he? As you see, it'd be interesting to see if Dubravka is tested a bit more, how he deals with that. I think he did all right against Liverpool, which has been the only real game he's had, apart from Man obviously in his debut. The Liverpool game's been the only real game where he's, he's had to do, he's had a lot of doing. He did all right that game, to be fair. The Newcastle went all the second best there. I think the Leicester, it'll be a different test of Southampton and Huddersfield, but it won't necessarily be the same as Liverpool. Newcastle will go there thinking they've got a chance of winning that game. Can the Cells and Lejeune deal with the likes of... Well, can the Cells on Lejeune deal with Vardy? And obviously, they'll probably be dummy on the left trying to get the better of um, Moraes. I think they'll deal with him up close. I think it's going to be more a case of stopping the midfield, providing the balls for Vardy. You know, because if that ball does go over the top of the Cells and Lejeune, if Vardy gets a run in them, then there's only going to be one winner, let's face it. So I think it's going to be more a case of the midfield battle. Shelby and Arming have to be very disciplined. They're going to have to try and eke out everything in the middle of the midfield, make sure they don't play those balls. But yeah, it's going to be a very different test. And I think in terms of mentality as well, you were saying there about Newcastle have played Southampton, they've played Huddersfield, they weren't really tested. But they went into that game knowing that they had to win. They had to get at least something from the game. And it was against one of their rivals. It was going to lift them further away from danger. That same pressure isn't necessarily going to be on when they go to Leicester. It's not a team around them. It's not necessarily a game they expect to win. And they've now got a seven-point cushion. You'd hope under Benitez that they're not going to kind of rest on their laurels now. They want to end the season on a high, keep that momentum going into the next season where they think they can really achieve something. But you know the, the pressure's not going to be on them that it has been the last couple of weeks. And it'll be interesting to see whether that kind of changes the mindset and the mentality of Newcastle going into that game. Key battles for Saturday? Um, I think the midfield's going to be key because I think that their central midfield is very, very good. Um, so Diarme is going to be important Shelby is going to be important to pick the passes mm-hmm. because I think Newcastle look to break on Leicester in the way Leicester like to break on them so I think that in Diddy, Abora and then against the likes of, of Diarme and and, and, uh, sorry, and Shelby will be important in there Grand, you have score predictions on that? I'm going to go 2-1 Leicester I just think they're going to have too much but just, just, just touching on what you said before about two years since well a little bit more than two years and it was Benitez's first game I asked Perez about that on, on Saturday and he, was, he was very good in an interview actually it was interesting because he, he made the point he, he called Newcastle the tune which didn't put in the copy because it didn't seem it almost felt like it wouldn't seem like it was him saying it it didn't necessarily but it, that is how engrossed he is in the in Newcastle in the area in the club that he refers to them as, as the tune as well at times it was, it was a bit me and George Colton were standing interviewed him both of us sort of a bit, bit taken aback and spoke about it afterwards but uh, he said that so much has changed since he said we probably, probably had a more talented squad two years ago but this team is going to go there and we're all going to know our jobs we're all going to be playing for each other there's not going to be any egos in this dressing room 
and so I think that that does give Newcastle a decent chance going into this game. I just I just think Leicester might have a little bit too much for them, but I hope I'm wrong. So I'm going to go two one Leicester. Sure, I see. One nil Leicester. I think, as I say, Chris, as Chris said there, I think they may have a bit too much. They've got a lot of quality going for them. They're going for that seventh spot. I think their owners came out at the start of the season saying they wanted to have a real cup run. It hasn't necessarily materialised that way, but I think if they got seventh place in Europa League qualification, that'd be deemed a very successful season for Leicester. So I think they've still got a bit of play for. You can't. I don't think Newcastle are resting the laurels, but they won't play with the same intensity that they have done in the last couple of the weeks. Um, and just make interesting there talking about <coughs> Rafa's first game at Leicester. I, think I, went, I went down there as a fan, it was before I was in the job and obviously there was a real positivity that Rafa was coming to the club but was, even then that was deemed as one of Newcastle's better away performances and a 1-0 win and they were just so disjointed that day and to think the journey they've been on since then, yes on paper they haven't got the internationals that they boasted then but everybody knows their jobs, the, the, the team are all driving in the same direction and I just think you know that at this stage, that's the last Premier League season. Newcastle have now got nine more points, and to think they've done it with a team that many people are saying it's a Championship team playing in the Premier League. I mean, you think of the team they had there, and the likes of Jan Mats, Sissoko, Wijnaldum, all went on to play in the European Championships. But sorry, Wijnaldum didn't go to the European Championships, but international players with major tournament experience, and to see the journey they've been on since then has been brilliant. No, indeed it has. And just finally, Chris, we'll probably talk about this more next week when we actually get the uh, accounts from Newcastle United but we are expecting them soon um, what can the fans look forward to what are you expecting I know we, I, I don't know but I don't think there's anything to look forward to them unfortunately <laughs> because uh, we already got the doom and gloom prediction from Lee Charlie with the last year's accounts which were two years ago so this is going to be from last April so it's going to be for the championship season and he basically released a statement with the last set of accounts saying the next ones are going to be pretty catastrophic. So I think that what we're going to see is the financial impact of relegation, what that did, um, and basically that we're going to see then how much money Newcastle have had to claw back this year. And uh, from, from Mike Ashley's point of view, I think he'll probably be quite grateful that the, the accounts are going to come out now because then he's going to probably come back on them and say, well, look, this is, this is the financial issues you have if you put too much money in and I don't want to put any more money into it but from Newcastle's point of view they're now back in the Premier League and it shouldn't disguise the fact that 12 months ago's accounts will be very different to the current accounts now which will include £100 million worth of TV money and, and more so um, realistically it, it, it's not going to teach us too much that we don't already know but it'll just be interesting to see the exact figures of, of financially what position they were in a year ago and of course when they do eventually drop we'll bring you them live on chroniclelive.co.uk and if you head over to the website you can keep up to date with all the latest cast night news and of course the uh, match day coverage on Saturday from the King Power Stadium thank you very much thank you very much for listening please remember to like subscribe and share the podcast whether that be through iTunes Audio Boom Spotify or whichever platform you may be listening through and if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can do so via our social media channels. We're over on Twitter at Chronicle NUFC and on Facebook at the same handle, Chronicle NUFC. We want your questions, your topics, your feedback. So why don't you drop us a line and get in touch?